0: Hey, let's begin with a word of prayer, if we could. Would you just bow your heart before the Lord as as we ask him to infiltrate this place, that his presence would do what only his presence can do? Would you just, in your own words, would you just say, Holy Spirit, we believe in you. We believe in your ministry. We ask that you would move with freedom in this place today, that that you would uh, take the word of God and you would use it to change lives including mine. Would you just confess that you need the Lord to change your life today? Father, we bow before you. We surrender to you. We tell you that we need you. And we ask today that you would move in a way that only you can move, that you would save lives and you would change eternities. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we all say amen and amen. A few years ago, uh, my family and I were out to eat. And I got up to go to the restroom and and I told my kids, I said, hey, while I'm gone, uh, tell the waitress that I am thirsty. And my kids said, dad, you can't say that. I had no idea why. Do you? Uh, It's crazy how an innocent word can be twisted in our culture. In fact, an innocent word like thirsty can be twisted. Did you know that that word has changed? Uh, a a few years ago to mean that you are somehow romantically inclined? I just had too many chips. And and, uh, do do you know that word thirsty appears in the Bible 43 times? 43 passages of scripture deal with that word alone. In, In the Bible, it can mean physically thirsty, It can also mean romantically thirsty, but most often it means spiritually thirsty. And it's strange that those meanings are actually pretty similar. The more that you think about it, Jesus Christ knew that in life, all of us were going to have a continuous feeling of thirst for for something more for something to fill that gap that we all feel he he also knew that earthly things only momentarily have a way of that. He he knew that we would look for relationships, that we would look for achievements, that we would look for popularity, we would look for likes, whatever else, uh, to give ourselves some sort of meaning or or worth in in this world. So while today's society may have its own way of painting the word thirsty, Jesus was the OG in making the word link back to something he knew that only he could satisfy. And the same is still true today. Uh, We may use the word uh, to say that we're desperate for a girl or a guy or desperate to fit in or desperate for whatever else, but but no matter what it is, apart from him, we will continuously be desperate, continuously be longing, continuously be needy and and lonely. And Jesus knew uh, that when we enter into a real relationship with him, uh, that that thirst uh, that, that is inside all of us would finally get And some of us, we we hide our insecurities by appearing overconfident or or prideful. Some of us uh, show our insecurities or our thirst by sitting on the sidelines and feeling sorry for ourselves. And, And some of you feel like you're just coasting through life and don't have much to offer. Some of you go from relationship to relationship hoping to fill that void. But all of us will realize before long, the thirst always comes back. And no matter what it looks like or what shape it takes, uh, wh- what it does is leave us all with this never-ending longing for more or, or a thirst to be something uh, more. If you got your Bible, I want you to turn to John chapter 7. <clears throat> We're going to jump to uh, verse 37 in-, in John chapter 7, but-, but I want you to know the entire chapter fits together as a whole. And it teaches us some incredible truths about God. In fact, this chapter, this passage of this chapter, reads like an oasis of refreshment right in the middle of a uh, desert of doubt. And John 7 is the turning point in the book of John. Not just in the book of John or the gospel of John, but in the life of Jesus. Uh, John 1 through 6 uh, kind of focuses really on the first two and a half years of Jesus' life. In John seven, uh, we turn to go real deep into his mission and what he was here to do. In fact, John seven through 10 focus on the last six months. Uh, Of Jesus' life and ministry. In John 11, all the way to John 21, the end of the book, uh, really deal with the last week of his life, what we call the Passion Week and and his resurrection. And it's right at this turning point in chapter 7 that Jesus makes this dramatic uh, confession and and admission. In fact, he spent six chapters kind of skirting the issue or ducking from the authorities or avoiding the spotlight altogether. And in John 7, Jesus shows up in Jerusalem and and he does something incredible. Look look at what it says in in John chapter 7, verse 37, on the last and the greatest day of the feast. Now, let's just stop there for a second. What feast are are we talking about? This is called the Feast of the Tabernacles. In fact, uh, last October, I had a big group in, in Israel during the Feast of the Tabernacles, during this celebration. Now, what was amazing about that is that we got to see tents and tabernacles everywhere, everywhere. What was terrible about it is that... It was like Baptist Day at Six Flags. Like there were people everywhere and and it was crowded. That's why I've moved the next trip to a January. Next January, we're going to go in January where the crowds are low. But but when you understand this feast, you're going to understand this particular passage of Scripture. This is one of the three great feasts of the Jews, and they all would come to Jerusalem so that the city would swell in that day even to over a million people. And the feast happened five days after the high holy day, which is called Yom Kippur. You see that show up on your iPhone, right? Yom Kippur is the day of atonement. It's the New Year's Day for Jewish people. It's also called the day for the sacrifice of sin or the sadness for uh, sin. And five days later, there would be this great celebration. Really, it's like a spiritual Thanksgiving, except it was a whole week long, actually eight days Uh, long. And and at the beginning of it and at the end of it uh, was a Sabbath day, a day of rest on either side uh, of this feast. And the Feast of Tabernacles, it was during that feast that the people were to remember, to remember what happened during the wilderness wandering uh, for 40 years while they were out in, in the desert. Now, what is a tabernacle? Just write this down. Tabernacle is a fancy word for tent. It's what tents were called when the children of Israel lived out in the wilderness for 40 years. And you write, you might remember they were living in Egypt. Uh, they were being mistreated by the Pharaoh. They were held in slavery, but God heard their cries and came to deliver them. He had compassion on them and he sent Moses to lead them out of slavery. And that's why they celebrate the feast is to remember God bringing them out. They were in tents. And while they were in tents, God was supplying all of their needs with manna from the sky or water coming up out of the rocks and all kinds of uh, things. He used a pillar of cloud by day uh, to lead them and a pillar of fire by night. That They were reminding themselves of all of these things. And the family would literally move out of their house for a week and move into a tent on the hillside surrounding uh, the temple uh, mount. And these little tents Uh, Some of them elaborate, some of them uh, lean-tos, you know, made out of sticks and and, and branches. And and there were lots of sacrifices taking place during this festival. And and so during this feast, every day, these big special trumpets would blow. It was a very festive kind of thing. And and in the temple area, there were these huge menorah, uh, candlestick kinds of things. uh, And it would remind the people of the pillar of fire that had led them at night. And then waters from the pool of Siloam would be transported to the temple and poured out on the altar as a celebration of the fact that God had poured water out of a rock, a place it was not supposed to come from quenching the thirst of millions of people. So I want you to get this image in your head. The the Levites are blasting out these tunes on horns. The crowds are getting closer and closer and closer. The priests come marching in uh, with with these big water pots and they would take the water and pour it over the entire altar and the place would erupt into worship. And it's right here at that moment that Jesus stands up and, and he says in a very loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. In fact, this feast really had two purposes. One was to look back to Israel's journey in the wilderness. But the other purpose was to look ahead to the coming of the Messiah. Someday a Messiah, a promised one, was going to come and Jesus, by standing up in that moment of the feast and speaking loudly, was proclaiming, I am that Messiah. The wait is over. Your thirst can now be quenched. And what I want to share with you today is three thirsts out of this passage and out of this context that we all have that Jesus wants to meet for us. In fact, write this down, if you would. The first thirst that Jesus can quench is the thirst of rejection. Say rejection. In order to be loved and accepted by somebody else, that somebody else is likely to require something from you. I call it doing the dance. And and, and if you dance good enough, right, they're good with you. As long as you keep doing the dance. That means you do what is required of you. And and as long as you do what is required of you, then you should have no fear of of rejection. You're performing for their love. But, But the problem is when you stop dancing, soon the rejection will follow. As soon as you stop dancing, they find another partner and and you are left empty. You know what I've learned about dancing other than white men can't? And I'm not altogether white, so don't put me in that camp. I'm honey golden brown. I still can't dance, but, but here's what I've learned about dancing. If you dance long enough, you get tired. You get tired. And if you're doing the dance to get love and acceptance, you get tired and you get frustrated. Because in your heart, you know you have to keep it up, and in your heart, you know you can't. And Jesus knew this. He knew that dancing makes us tired. So so he talked to us, and he acknowledges that, and he offers a solution for that. In Matthew 11, he says, all of you who are tired... All of you who are weary, all of you who are burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. Question for you today, what, what if love and acceptance were free? What if you didn't have to do the dance to get it? You just receive it as a gift. That's an amazing word, and isn't it? Gift, you just receive it. In fact, let me just ask you that today. With what you've known and experienced so far in life, would you even believe that? Now notice what Jesus says, anyone who is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He didn't say anyone who is thirsty and has it all together. He didn't say anyone who is thirsty and can answer three or four theological questions. He didn't say anyone who is thirsty and is willing to give me something in return. In the Bible, here's a little Bible study lesson for you. In the, this passage of Scripture where the Greek uses the word anyone, it means anyone. There's no trick of translation in in this passage. It is what it says it is. Anyone means everyone, no matter what. And that's what it means. And I want you to know that there is a love that will quench your thirst. And it is a gift. And it is given for free, so free, that when when you begin to connect with it, something begins to happen on the inside of you. Years ago, when I was a student pastor, it's longer ago than I care to remember, actually. Another student pastor told me a story of a girl named 14-year-old girl named Kelly who had come to see him. And Kelly's backstory was that about a year earlier, her dad had gathered the whole family together and, paraphrase, had said, I, I found a younger, prettier version than your mother. And I'm trading you all in for that family. And the confusing part was, is that he walked towards the door. He bent over to pick up his suitcase. And as he walked out the door, he turned back and said, I love you. And then he was gone. And when this 14-year-old girl, Kelly, came to see her student pastor, she had just returned from a movie. And she said as the movie ended and uh, the lights began to come up, she stood to exit the theater and out of her peripheral vision, she saw her father for the first time in almost a year. And he was with the other woman and then she noticed uh, that sitting next to the other woman was that woman's daughter who was about the same age as Kelly. And she said, with her focus, she just zoomed in and the whole thing went slow motion. And she saw her daddy take that girl's hand and, and, and walk hand in hand out the theater. And as she's conveying this story to her youth pastor, she, she said she was angry and that she was upset and that she was hurt. And in fact, she screamed in that moment and said, That should have been my hand that he was holding. And this youth pastor wisely said in that moment, uh, You're right. Your father had delivered a wound to you through his abandonment, but, but then that student pastor began to explain to her if she would hang on for a moment and would listen to what he was about to tell her, that he would give her something that would prove to be very important for the rest of her life. That what he was about to tell her is bigger than her dad, is bigger than the other woman, is bigger than the other woman's daughter. The reason she was wounded so badly is that down deep in her, and in all of us, is a thirst to be loved with a love that will never let go. And that's why she was wounded so badly in that moment. Listen to me, church. I'm convinced that some of the deepest wounds that you have or will experience will come when you are rejected by one who is supposed to love you no matter what. When the one who is charged with loving you unconditionally puts conditions on their love, you will be wounded. And intimacy is the answer to your rejection. And listen to me, intimacy is not about sex. It's not about hooking up. Intimacy is the ability to fully know and be fully known without the fear of rejection. True intimacy doesn't come on your phone. It does not come in the DMs of your Facebook or, or on a business trip with a coworker. It comes in the unconditional love of your Savior, Jesus Christ. And there are no strings attached. It is totally free. And one of the most beautiful truths about the gospel of Jesus is that His love and His acceptance can only be received for free. And at home, you may be doing a certain dance to get your family's uh, approval. At work, you may do another dance altogether to get approval from your coworkers. Even at church, you, you may be doing the dance to find some sort of love and acceptance. And if so, you are tired and frustrated, and life for you can feel like a long, gray January. Uh, but that's the second thirst that Jesus wants to quench for you. R- write this down. Jesus can quench the thirst of religion. Isn't it ironic that the very thing that is supposed to give us rest, religion, will often ultimately steal our joy and hand us anxiety and worry in its place? What should be this good news is often the headline uh, of bad news. Religion has played the role of spoiler and made so many of us thirsty. That's the truth. In fact, I know this personally. For the first 15 years of my life, I chased religion from one church to another. And and one thing I realized pretty quick is that all of those churches were exactly uh, the same. One had liturgy, another prayed out loud, right? One had a priest, the other had a parson. One had a big wooden altar, the other had a big wooden pulpit. But all of them had the same religion do this and do that and don't do this and don't do that and do this and do that and don't do this and don't do that. And as long as you do this, we're all good. But if you mess up and you get out of line, then you're done. And here's what I know to be true for so many of you today. You've been hurt by religion. And here's what I also know to be true. Many of you use that as an excuse To steer clear of God. But the truth is Jesus hates religion as much as you do. And he didn't say. Hey those of you who are religious. Come to me and drink. Look at what he said. Whoever believes in me. As the scripture has said streams of living. Say living. Living water will flow from within him. In other words, religion cannot quench your thirst. At best, it can point you to the one who can, the only one who who can. And if you put your faith in Jesus, that's what this word means, believes. You put your faith in Jesus. That, That word means to receive and depend, to receive Jesus and then depend on him, to receive him and then depend on him, to receive the water of life that quenches your thirst. Then you depend on him daily to give you life. And if you do that, you can walk in true freedom. But but there's another thirst that Jesus can quench, and I want you to write this one down. Jesus can quench the thirst of regret. He can quench that one. This is the thirst that comes from our own bad decisions, regret. We make a mistake, we sin, we double down on that sin, and, and we're left empty in life, still trying to find that thing that will finish off our thirst and the further we move into sin the further we move away from god because we feel like we just don't belong and he can't accept us we've done bad for so long we're lost something interesting in the story of jesus this story that we're looking at today when he says, as the scripture says, he's not quoting one passage. He's quoting multiple passages. In fact, he's referring to the many times in the Old Testament when, when the scripture talks about it. And, and it's sort of a mashup, a, a mixtape of God's greatest hits, if you will, uh, about the Spirit of God washing over your life. And one of those passages is found in the book of Ezekiel. And if you've been with us the last two weeks, you know this already. We talked about the vision that that man Ezekiel had of the temple in Jerusalem. And he had this vision in his mind of water flowing out of the temple, flowing into the desert and bringing life everywhere that water goes. The the thing is, when Ezekiel had this vision, there was no temple. It had been destroyed. Because the people of Israel had sinned so often against God, he allowed their enemies to come and overtake them and he sent them around the world into exile. And while the exile is happening, Ezekiel is sitting on the banks of a river thousands of miles away. And he gets a vision and he hears a promise. God will restore. God will overcome. God will burst forth with this river and that river will quench your thirst. And and no matter how great the sin, God's river can and will overcome it. No matter how bad your thirst is, Jesus is the answer. No matter how far you've run, the Holy Spirit is chasing you. And you may be thirsty because of rejection. And you may be broken because of religion. And you may be hiding because of regret. God wants you to know that it's never too late to come back. And He's offering you that very same promise today. These three thirsts that Jesus quenches, by, by quenching them, He's really quenching one thirst that we all have. To be loved and accepted. And here's the good news. He'll do it for free with no strings attached. He'll do it with strength that's strong enough to never let go. You'll never be chasing it. Come back, come back. back. And He will do it in a way that will give you significance and fulfillment for the rest of your life. In fact, for all of eternity. And the question this morning is, have you received it have you received it have you received jesus are you depending upon him would would you bow your heads and close your eyes and open your hearts at every single campus i'm going to ask that in all of our campuses nobody's moving around We're, we're not done this is the most holy moment of this service it's what we've been praying for for weeks and weeks and weeks And I just want to ask you today, and the reason I have you bow your heads and close your eyes is I don't want to embarrass anybody. That's the last thing we would want to do is invite you here and then embarrass you. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I I know that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I know He's my forgiver. I have received Him. He walks with me and talks with me. He's the Lord of my life. I, I know that I know that I know Jesus. If that's you, at every single campus, campus pastors, come on the stage if you would. At every single campus, if that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I I know Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. You you, you can put it down. Thousands of hands just went up across our campuses. And you know what that means? It means that a man who died 2,000 years ago is still changing lives in 2023. Because he's not dead. He beat death, hell, and the grave. But some of you didn't raise your hand, and I want to thank you for being honest and just tell you that you're about to have the opportunity for your life to be changed for all eternity. To receive that love for free, that's strong, and that will bring fulfillment into your life in the person of Jesus if you're here today and you say pastor i don't know that jesus is my lord or my savior i don't know that if i die today i'm going to heaven i don't know if jesus comes back next week he's coming for me but but i would like to know would you pray for me every head bowed every eye closed if you would like for me to pray for you you'd say that's me i don't know just raise your hand at every single campus just raise it high across all of our rooms just lift it up high thank you thank you Anybody else? J- just raise your hand so that I can see it in the chapel. Uh, raise your hand if you would. At Midtown, go ahead and raise your hand. At Downtown, raise your hand. At South Tulsa and Jinx and Owasa. would you just raise your hand? Here at, at Broken Air, just raise your hand. And say, Pastor, I-, I don't know that Jesus is my Lord or my Savior. Pray for me. Pray for me. If that's you and you want me to include you in that prayer... Anybody else, would you just raise your hand so that we can see it all across all of our rooms this morning? Now, before I pray, there's one more group of you that I would like to include in that prayer. Those of you who have trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, but you've not taken that first step called believer's baptism. For whatever reason, at that step, you've balked at it. And maybe you're like me. You were baptized as a baby and later in life you came to know Jesus and your baptism is out of order. It came before the relationship. you need to take care of that. Or maybe you've been saved recently and you just haven't taken that step. Or maybe uh, you've given your life to Christ years ago and for whatever reason, you just haven't taken that step. And you'd say, Pastor, baptism is my next step. At, at every single campus, if that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I, I need to follow the Lord in Believer's Baptism, okay? okay? At every campus, just, just raise your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. Now, I want those of you who already know the Lord to join me in this prayer for those who've just raised their hand on either of those questions. Father, we pray right now that today could be the day of salvation for every man, woman, boy, and girl under the sound of my voice today that needs you. We thank you, Jesus, that you offer a love and acceptance that's free and strong and fulfilling. And I pray today that Everyone under the sound of my voice who needs to step into that relationship with you would step into that relationship with you today, that it would spring up out of the ground, that you would encourage them, that you would win the victory in every heart and every life today. You you would remove every kind of doubt and every demonic presence that is trying to discourage in this moment and that you would save them. And father, those who need to be baptized, that you would give them the courage to take that step. And Father, I pray by all of us taking our steps of obedience today that we, we would walk in a freedom that comes from you. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what I would love to do is lead you in a prayer. You say, wait a minute, I, I don't even know how to pray. That's okay, I, I, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'll pray it one phrase at a time so that you can simply repeat it after me. But what I don't want you to do is repeat it in some sort of rote fashion. I want you to pray it to a God in heaven from your heart. And I'm going to ask for believers to pray this prayer out loud as an encouragement to you so that you're not praying alone at all of our campuses. But if you want to do this and you want to trust Christ today, would you just pray with me and say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me. For all of my sin. Jesus come into my life. To be my Lord. You call the shots in my life. Come in as my savior. My forgiver. In the best way that I know how. I turn my back on my sin. And I trust you alone Jesus. To save me. Thank you for saving me. I receive you. I receive salvation. Thank you for not being ashamed of me, but dying on that cross, naked in that public place for me. Help me in this moment to not be ashamed of you. Thank you for saving me. Now before we say Amen at every single campus, you just prayed that prayer and you meant it with all of your heart. You meant it. You weren't playing games. You meant that prayer. Would you just raise your hand across every single campus. Just raise your hand and say, I prayed that and I meant it with all of my heart. Uh, Thank you, thank you. Just, Just raise your hand high. I prayed that and I meant it with all of my heart. At every single campus, just lift your hand. I prayed that prayer and I meant it with all of my heart. I'm not playing games with Jesus. In the chapel, go ahead and raise your hand at downtown, midtown, South Tulsa, Jinx, Owasso. Even if you're watching online, just, just click in the comments and say, I prayed that prayer. Now, if you're here today and, and you raise your hand, okay? Here, here's what I want you to do. Your hand went up. I want you to look up at me, okay? Look up at me or look up at your campus, Pastor. The rest of you, keep your heads bowed. But if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, just look up at me or look up at your campus, Pastor, on your stage. I, I want me or them to make eye contact with you. Right, right here, there's a, a couple together. Bo- both of you prayed that prayer and you meant it with all your heart. Congratulations. Right here. Just wave at me so that I can find you. You prayed it right here. Yes, sir. A- anybody else? Wave your hand at me Hi. Yes, ma'am. Right here. Anybody else? Okay, sweetheart, right here. A couple of young girls over here. A- anybody else? Back here. I see you, ma'am. Anybody else? There were several hands. Yes, sir, right here. Anybody else? You prayed that prayer and you meant it with all of your heart, okay? Right there. Could, could, could I ask you to do this just for the next few seconds? I just want to address those of you who prayed that prayer and you meant it with all of your heart. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it with all of your heart, nobody looking except for me of the campus pastors, would you just stand to your feet all across the room? Just stand to your feet so that I can find you. I prayed that and I meant it. Just stand up where, wherever you are. Yes, sir, right here. Anybody else? Just, just stand up. Thank you. Thank you just stand up anybody else thank you thank you I see you in the back anybody else just just stand to your feet can I say to you congratulations the wisest decision you could possibly make and and, and if you need to be baptized that's your step would you stand with these that are standing right now I'd love to just pray over you if you raised your hand to say I need to be baptized just stand up if you will and I want to pray over you as well in fact I want to give you a chance to speak to somebody Father, I pray over all these that are standing and I pray you'd meet them right where they are today. Don't sit down, don't sit down, don't sit down because I'm, 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 we're not done. Just stand up, stand up, stand up. Lord, I pray over all of them and I just pray you would meet them right here in this place today. I pray you would do something supernatural in their hearts and their lives today. And I pray, Father, you would encourage them today that they would meet somebody who, who knows you. They would, they would receive a prayer today as somebody prays over them. that you would bless them. And, And now if you're standing, here's what I want you to do. I just want you, if you would, everybody else, your heads bowed and eyes closed, just stand up if you were standing. I just, would you just say, excuse me? And would you just come right here to the front of this room? I want to introduce you to these pastors right here, right outside that door is a room where they're going to just pray for you. And if you, somebody came with you, just reach down and say, hey, go with me. Come and go with me. Would you please just come and go with me? Just say, excuse me, and just come on. You don't need to look yet, but people are coming. You can go ahead and celebrate. Uh, don't look, but come on. Just come on. Just come on. Just come right over here to, to, to these pastors, right over here. Let them encourage you, and, and let me just say you, congratulations. Just just go ahead and make your way right over here to my right, to your left, to the corner of the room. They're, they're still coming, church. You can go ahead and celebrate as they continue to make their way come on come on we encourage you. anybody else if you need to stand and go with them just stand and make your way to, to the corner of the room aren't you grateful church that we're a part of something bigger than what happens in one room that across multiple rooms today men and women and boys and girls are responding to the gospel I want us to stand together, if we could, all across this auditorium. While they're being prayed for and counseled, could we just sing one more song of worship and lift up Jesus in this place today? I'm going to invite the band to come out, and let's pray together. Father, today we give you praise and glory and honor. We thank you that that never gets old. To watch you change the lives of men and women and boys and girls. And Father, we pray across all of our campuses that today you are winning the victory in every heart and in every life. That eternity is being changed and impacted. That that people are going to enter the kingdom of heaven and, and leave the kingdom of darkness. Today, use this church to kick the teeth into the kingdom of darkness that it would not reign with any victory, but it would be pushed back. Further and further and further. We lift you up, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. And together we all say, Amen and Amen.